Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Inside Out Security Show. I'm Cindy Ng, a writer for Veronis' Inside Out Security blog. And as always, I'm joined by security experts, Mike Buckby, Rob Sobers, and Killian Inkler. Hey, Killian. Hey, Rob. Hey, Cindy. How's it going? Good. And hey, Mike. Hey, Cindy. Made me go last this week. That's all right. Um, this week, we also have two special guests, also security experts, um, Andy Green, who's based in New York, and Dietrich Benjis, who's based in the UK, and they're here to join us to share their insights on the latest uh, general data protection regulation that was just passed with an aim to protect consumer data that will impact not only businesses in the uh, EU, Britain, and the US and the rest of the world. So, hi Andy. Hey Cindy. Hey Dietrich. Hi Cindy. So, let's start with the facts. Uh, First, what is GDPR uh, and what are its goals? In one sentence? Can I get two? (laughs) You get get two and a half. Okay, two and a half. It's, so it stands for right, General Data Protection Regulation. It's a successor to the, EU, to the EU's current data security directive, which is called the um, Data Protection Directive, DPD. And it really, I mean, if you're under the rules now, um, the, the GDPR will not be a, a major change, but it does add a few key, um, you know, major, let's say, it, Additions and one of those is, um, well, there's a stronger um, stronger rules on let's say right to access your data. You really have sort of like a almost like a bill of rights. One of them is that you can see your data, which is um, maybe not something in the U.S. we are experienced with. Um, you also have um, also another new thing is you have a right of portability, which is something that Facebook probably hates. In other words, you can download the data that, let's say, if I were, I, I assume this will happen in, in the UK or, or in the EU, that um, if you're a Facebook customer, you'll be able to download everything that Facebook has have, and have it in some sort of portable format. And I guess if there were an EU uh, social media service, you can then upload that data to to that social media service and say goodbye to, to um, Facebook, which is kind of not something they're very happy about. Um, and, and I mean, basically, I, I say generally you have like a consumer, almost like a consumer um, data rights under the new under the new rule. Um, I don't know if anyone has any comments on some of these things, but I think that's that I think is like a big deal. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Mike. Were you going to go next? I've, I've chimed in, so I suppose I, I I'll carry on chiming go in. Go ahead, Dietrich. So I think in terms of in terms of the attendance, it's the European Union recognizing that you know data is the European citizens recognize their data is important and historically, recently and historically, it there's been many cases where it hasn't been demonstrated to be appropriately controlled and as it's a commodity the information on them is a commodity traded on the open market to a degree that there's just been an increasing demand to have greater safeguards on their data and those greater safeguards on European citizen data gives them greater confidence in the market in the electronic market that that the world the world economic market has become so that the two pillars which we'll get to 
of you know the two tenets of privacy by design and accountability by design are are you know we'll get to a lot of the things, but that's you know my synopsis on it. I will pass on to the next. Oh, I, I was curious about to what extent this was um, targeting like enterprises versus targeting, say, like you brought up Facebook, which I consider like an application, like a web application service. Um, and it, was there an intent behind this that it's targeting more one or the other? Yeah, it's definitely, I would say, consumers. I mean, it's really um, very consumer oriented. Hmm. But in and terms so of the, and I'm sorry, I'm not using the chat appropriately, but in terms of. Mike, do you mean in terms of it's targeting the consumers? Yes, it's consumer data it's related to, but do you mean in terms of the types of businesses where it's most applicable? Is that what you mean, Mike? Well, you know, this is a decision-making framework that, you know, so now with GDPR is the Data Protection Directive 2, um, need to make decisions that I'm building an application, I'm going to need to have new privacy features. We talked about privacy by design, which has its own sort of tenant. Or, you know, I'm building out uh, the policies for my company, which has satellite offices all over the world, and some of them happen to be in the EU. What, just trying to look at the impact and look at, like, how, how this should change my decision-making on those things. Well, to be cynical, I'd say if you want to avoid it wholly and entirely, just don't sell to an EU citizen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... You know, to, to answer your question, Mike, it, the Facebooks of the world and these global web services are going to have to worry about it if they're collecting data. And we all know Facebook not only collects the data that you give them, but it also ascertains data through your actions. And I think that's what Andy was talking about, is that it's not just the ability to click a button and say, oh, give me my profile data back down so I can take it with me. It's like, I put that data in. But I think what the GDPR is aiming to do is give you back the data that they've gathered on you from other sources. So tell me everything you know about me, because I want to know what you know about me. And that's, I think, a very important thing, and I really hope that the U.S. goes in that direction. Uh, but outside of those web services, think about, like, any bank that serves an EU customer. Um, so any bank, any healthcare organization. So other businesses outside of these big global web services certainly do have to worry about it, especially if you look in your customer database or any kind of, um, you know, if you're a retailer, your transaction database, and you have information that belongs to EU citizens, then this is something that you should at least be, you know, thinking through. So who needs to really pay close attention to the law so that you're executing all the requirements properly? <laughs> it, it, I, I like there's a lot of... We're not using the chat window. Sorry. Who needs to pay attention to it in terms of those organizations in scope? It's pretty well spelled out that the organizations who deal with, who transfer, who, who process, the big things on processing and dealing right. with information associated to European citizens. So if I backtrack a bit, there was where we're starting with the, the portability of the data, um, the information that we have that organizations have on individuals and those subject access requests and right to erasure, kind of the, the first and foremost is the protection element, making sure that the data is protected, that we're not, organizations aren't putting us at risk by the fact that they're holding our data and making that overexposed. 
yeah, I think, um, uh, sorry about that, to, to kind of address the question more technically speaking, I think um, kind of everybody involved in the process needs to pay attention to it. Um, from the, the people designing the app, you know, Mike, if you want to launch your business, you know, you need to realize that their, you know, boundaries are kind of made up anymore with, uh, with technology. Um, so right from the beginning, we'll talk about privacy by design, but that needs to be the first step, all the way up to the you know CEO of the company or the board, um, realizing that this is a global marketplace. Um, so you know they want to get the most amount of customers, so they have to take it seriously. Right. Yeah, I, I was going to say that they 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 do have a heart, the EU bureaucrats, and they do make an exception for. Looks like there's some language about making exceptions for smaller businesses or businesses that are not um, sort of collecting data on a, what they say, like on a really large scale, whatever that means. So I mean, what you're saying is all true, but I, I think they, they do say that that they will sort of scale some of the interpretations for, for smaller businesses so, so the enforcement is not as, as rough. And there may even be an exclusion, I, I forget, for under 250 employee com companies. So... Um, but I, yeah, I think you're right. It really this was really meant for the, uh, especially with the fines, that it was really meant to get the C level and higher executives' attention. So, so in ter if you're a higher up or someone responsible um, for implementing GDPR, what's mm -hmm. the first deadline you need to kind of uh, look look uh, look for, and so you don't meet any deadlines, so that you're planning ahead. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, you know, I think we had talked about this the other day. I mean, it's almost like it's. Um, we have to talk about it with Dietrich. It's almost some of this is really, I'd say, like common IT sense, and that if you're following any kind of IT best practices, and there are, there are a bunch of them, or some some standards, you're probably like sixty or seventy percent there. I think. I mean, if you're, let's say, you're you're handling credit card transactions, and you're you're trying to deal with PCI DSS, or you're following some of the like SANS, or I forget what they're calling it now, the top 20. Um, there's this NIST in the US. Um, you're probably pretty close. So I, I, maybe I'll say it's sort of like let it's sort of like putting laws around some common sense ideas. But I realize executives won't see it that way. Um, yeah, I think the first thing you have to do is figure out if you're you know if you have that data to begin with or where it's at. I mean the common knowledge is you probably do. Um, you know, if you do some type of commerce or interact with anybody, really, you're going to store some information. Um, but kind of nailing it down where it's at um, or where it might be is, is I think, the key first step. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in terms of deadlines, I suppose, to answer your, your question very directly, the, the deadline's May 25th, 2018 is when it comes into full force. So that's the, that is the, I wouldn't say it's fast approaching. We still have 23 months. Dietrich but it'll come. Because you're mm. starting, you're starting. I've got a clock on my laptop right there. Deadline for <laughs> <to> GDPR. <laughs> um, and so um, what are, when it, so there's also like a data breach notification. Um, what happened? What does that process entail? Like, how do you get fined, and um, how do you know that um, personal data has been lost or breached? 
what's defined as personal data? How do you, because there's a difference between um, leaking like company ID, um, company IP versus leaking like personal data. Right, um, right. actually I happen to have the definition right in front of me. So it's any information related to a person um, and it can be, in particular, can be, um, so I say an identifiable per person is one who can be identified directly or indirectly, in particular by reference to an identifier, such as a name, an identification number, location data, or an online identifier. So it's really, I guess, what we would call in the US PII, but it's, 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 broad, it's not just a strict list of, you know, social security number or specific account numbers. They just, those were examples of, of the type of identifiers. So it's very broad, but it has to relate back to a person. And they do consider, let's say, online identifiers as relatable to a person. So, and okay. yeah. and um, kind of, I, I can't help but ask um, Dietrich, will Brexiters be exempt from GDPR? Uh, no, not at all. So first off, um, yes, a week ago today we cast our votes. And then a week ago tomorrow it was found out that, yes, in fact, we're leaving the European Union. Uh-oh. Um, so the reality of that is um, we haven't invoked Article 50. So Article 50 is that, yes, we're definitely doing it. Uh, we're doing it, and we, then we have 24 months then to get the heck out of the European Union. Um, that So first off, the starting of that clock isn't likely to happen for some time. Uh, for one, David Cameron, who is currently our Prime Minister, has um, is stepping down, has stepped down. We have to wait. He said, I'm not going to invoke, I'm going to let somebody else handle not only that process of invoking Article 50, but in addition to that, um, negotiating the the trade policies and all the all the things associated with the exit in addition to all the things associated with the exit is the adoption or exclusion of a lot of the European directives GDPR being one so we could just sit there and not only so if you take that time scale that will come into play if article 50 and there is some questions on the legal legality of the referendum which I won't go into in detail but there's a lot of debate going on in the moment that we voted uh, leave if it's actually something that'll happen. If it happens, and let's say it will, the time scale of it, of that activity is likely to be well after GDPR is in effect. And if GDPR does come, sorry, and even if we leave, and the likelihood is in a democratic country in which we live, we have cast the vote that we will leave. We could still take on GDPR as as a as 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 our own. We have our own Data Protection Act here in the UK. We could just bump it up with GDPR at a stroke of a pen. Right. And that's quite likely considering we're, we're debating and negotiating. We will negotiate for hopefully as free a trade as, as we can do within the European Union. And I'm sure that'll be, um, it would make sense that that would be a, a dependent clause. Right. Now I was going to say, um, it looks like if you're, since the UK has to trade with the EU, um, the EU countries are going to put in higher standards for for sort of like e-commerce transactions. So, yeah, they're our biggest um, they're our biggest trading partner, I believe. And don't quote me on this, but I could be wrong. I think it's fifty four fifty four percent of our exports go to the EU. Okay. So, 
and and likewise, we're one of the biggest trading partners for France, for Germany, etc. So um, the U.S. we trade with the EU and the Do you? and. <laughs> Um, I'm really talking about um, territorial scope and um, I'm curious uh, if I'm if I start a business or Mike starts a business we talked about this earlier um, how will I what's the law in terms of me needing to protect an EU uh, consumers personal data um, that's a little controversial. Go ahead. And so can I, yeah, can I give you some examples on this? In the last yes. 48 hours, I have purchased uh, a flight from Southwest Airlines, United Airlines. I'm a European citizen. Um, I purchased a backpack from some random site that's been shipped to my father. Look, I'm going to pay. There's, I, should, I hope I'm not de dipping myself in tax laws. But anyways, you know what I mean? As a European citizen, I'm going to be in the States for three weeks as of next week. So I'm a European citizen who's going to be transacting, who's going to be purchasing stuff over there. So considering the, the, the freedom of movement that exists, the small world in which we live where European citizens um, regularly travel to the US, regularly buy from sites online, I, I can't see how that, how the border is going to make any difference. Most, most if not, I'd say the vast majority of organizations in the US will deal with European citizens and therefore at least for that subset of data related to European citizens they will be they'll have to put in controls if they want to carry on trading with European citizens. Right. Go ahead Mike. Well I was trying to think of parallels to this um, and there's there's one that I think a lot of people are aware of which is like the cookie law which is there were some European directives around like, oh, you should have, like, if you land on a website, sometimes you see, like, those banners at the bottom that says, like, this website uses cookies and then click to, which came out of a similar thing. That's really only been European uh, websites that are doing that, but that's sort of a, a half step into this. Um, I just wonder if, that's, if that shows a model for how this is going to be adopted, so... That it's only the the very strictly EU you know sites. So. Uh, yeah, I think that was um, that came out of I, I forget it may have been the data protection directive that you got to gain consent from the consumer and that applied to, to cookies accepting co cookies. So you do see that on a lot of the EU sites, that's right? Yeah, it oh, just yeah. Seemed, it, it just seems very odd because you know there's no. It doesn't seem like it improved things. <laughs> it just seems like, yeah, we're getting cookies off you. So here's this giant banner that gets in your way. So, well, do you ever click no? Well, it's what's interesting is that I don't think I've ever actually seen like, yeah, no, don't collect my cookies. That it just says like, hey, we're doing this. So you can accept <laughs> it or leave. <laughs> yeah. You know, my website now. So, but probably with a French <laughs> accent because it's French. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of we talked about the cookie law we talked about um, the GD we're talking about the GDPR if you're like a CEO and you know that there's a potential risk of anything really um, and let's say data breach 
um, if something happens, um, they're often asking, okay, like higher-ups, can we work through this? Um, will our company survive? Um, there's, it sounds like people don't like people don't like to be strong-armed into following certain laws. Like if I'm an entrepreneur, like I'm going to come up with an idea and the last thing I would want is like, oh, I have to follow privacy by design. That's, it's, it's annoying. Yeah, I mean, it's a push and pull between innovation and security, right? Um, we see this with all sorts of things. Um, you know, Snapchat is famous for its explosive growth, you know, hundreds of millions of active users a day. Um, and in the beginning, they didn't pay attention to security and privacy. They, they kind of consciously put that on the back burner because they knew it would slow their growth and it wouldn't have mattered as much if they never became a giant company like they are today. Um, but then it came back to bite them, right? Like they, they had multiple situations where they've had data breaches that they've had to deal with and I'm sure devote a lot of resources to recovering from, not only on the technical side of things, but also on uh, the legal and PR side. So um, it is a push and pull, but, um, you know, we see it in varying degrees everywhere. Look what Uber is doing as they expand into different markets and they have to deal with all of the individual regulations in each state that they expand to, each country, and um, they would love to just close a blind eye and focus on improving their technology and recruiting new drivers and making their business a success, but the fact of the matter is, and the EU is way out in front of everybody else on this, is that somebody has to look out for the customers because we just see it over and over again where, um, you know, in the U.S. it's almost like flippant. Like we see these massive breaches where people's healthcare information is exposed on the public web or, um, you know, their credit card numbers get leaked or, you know, God knows what kind of information. And it just doesn't ever feel like there's enough teeth to make organizations really assess their situation. Like every time I apply, and I don't do this very often, thank God, apply for a mortgage in the U.S., the, the process, it, it kind of, it just, it scares me. You have to email sensitive information to your mortgage broker in plain text. They're asking for PDFs, scans of your bank account. And where that information goes, um, you're just not that confident in a lot of these companies that they're actually, mm. you know, locating that information, putting it in sensitive, uh, you know, secure repositories, monitoring who has access to it. It's just, without this regulation, it would be, without regulations like EU GDPR, it would be way worse and there would be no one looking after us. You actually kind of beat me to the uh, the point I was going to make there, Rob, uh, by, by a couple sentences, but, um, you know, fine, the businesses don't like being strong-armed, but the consumers don't like having their, you know, entire lives uh, aired out on the, the Internet. And I think you're 100% right there. It's, you know, it is a pain in the butt in some cases for innovation, but, you know, we keep coming back to it, or I will, but privacy by design. You don't have to make an and or, or decision. Like, if you start with that in mind to begin with, you can achieve both things. You can still achieve, you know, massive growth and avoid some of the problems instead of, um, you know, trying to patch up the holes later on. Mm. You know, one thing in terms of the strong arming, in terms of the uh, regulatory fatigue that organizations get, you know, I've been dealing with organizations for some time and it seems that regulations, audit points that, that the external world 
makes organizations focus on are the only things they will focus on. So, and this is this is important. It's important for us. I mean, I kind of like, I don't kind of like. I quite like the intent of the regulation. It's down to protect me. It's not something that's esoteric. It's something that's quite explicit to protect my information. So, and and if it requires a regulation for them to to take heed and pay note and to get over the fact that regardless if they've been ignoring data breaches in the past, to do so in the future may cost them more than it had, then um, then that's that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that one of the like the one word they use in a lot in a lot of the law is just and it has to do with privacy by design, is just minimize. Just think I mean even if you I think if you just show that you're aware of what you're collecting and trying to minimize it and um, minimizing what you collect, put a time limit on the data that you do collect, the personal data. In other words, if, you don't, if, you, if you've um, collected it and processed it and you have no longer have a need for it, um, then get rid of it. <laughs> it seems common sense and I think they want the companies to be thinking along these lines of, as I say, just, just minimize. Um, and that shouldn't be too much of a burden, I think. I don't know. I mean, I think as as Rob was saying, some of these web companies are just going crazy, collecting everything, and it comes out to just going to bite them in the end. Yeah. This is me being cynical, but I wonder if this is going to be a new attack vector. If there's like an easy way to like get all your information out of Facebook, um, then that's the attack vector, and like you just steal everyone's information through the export feature. Um, I don't know if anyone else saw there was a thing that you could. Um, hijack someone's Facebook account by uh, sending in like a faxed version of your passport. Like that, that was like a, a, a means by which they would like reset your password if like you couldn't like do anything else and you lost access to it. They're like, well, this whole rigmarole, but fax in your your passport. And so people, yeah. people were doing that as a. I I think it's good intentions. I just wonder about the actual implementation, like how much of a difference it will actually make. Yeah, and I think uh, you're right, Mike, that the execution is is everything in this, uh, with these regulations. We see it with failed PCI, failing PCI audits, um, you know, PCI auditors that are, you know, checking boxes and, you know, having worked for a software company that, that in, in a previous job that did retail software and was heavily dependent on collecting credit card information from certain devices and terminals and keyboard swipes and all sorts of things and gone through a PCI audit um, knowing that there were holes that weren't found by the auditors. Like it's it's all about the execution. It's all about um, you know following through on best practices for data security and um, the regulation itself isn't going to make you excellent at security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I'm I'm trying to catch up in terms of like if I'm not following PCI or if I'm not following um, the SANS Top 20, which is now renamed to something else, like oh, critical security controls. So what are some of the things that I can start with um, in terms of protecting uh, my customers' data? Um, any tips? Well. I mean, one thing, uh, and Andy kind of touched on this, is don't collect it if you don't have to. I think that's that's the number one thing. I mean, certain services out there actually make it easy for you not to touch your customer's data. For instance, um, Stripe, which is a 
a pretty popular payment provider now. Um, if you're collecting payment information on the web from customers, you should never know their credit card number. It should never hit your servers. If you're using something like Stripe, it basically goes from the web form off to Stripe, and you know you get at most the four last four digits and maybe the expiration number. But as a business, you never have to worry about that part of their profile, right? That sensitive data. So to me, start with asking that question of what do we actually have to have, and if we don't need it, get rid of it, and let's look at all of our data collection processes, whether it's by paper form or web form or, you know, API, whatever the method is, and decide what we can, what can we ax to just cut out the fat. Like, we don't want to have to hold your information if we don't have to. Um, now, failing that, I know a lot of companies cannot do that, right? Like, Facebook's business is knowing everything about everybody and the connections, and so in that situation, it's a little bit different. It's just, it's hard because um, what if I'm a company and I just, what if I'm a hoarder? You know, like I hoard, my, I live in New York, my studio is tiny. Ah, what, what if I like to hoard? And it's kind of like you're digitally hoarding stuff. And, and fine, I run out of space. Well, you know, storage is cheap. Why not get more? Um, how, what would you say to you know, a digital hoarder in terms of, I might need this information later. Um, so, <laughs> I would say stop. Stop doing that. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, like there, there are, um, you know, data retention policies that prevent you from doing that, that you can implement. Um, you know, it, it's, it's an organization culture thing, I think. You know, some organizations are great at data retention. Others are hoarders. <laughs> it's just bad for mean, data protection. Yeah, great at data retention and hoarders. That's yeah. They are, we love to retain data. Um, yeah, most of the organizations we talk to love to retain data. It's nice having something again that stick which sits there and goes, just get rid of it. I talk to organizations now. I go, finally, this is being implemented in such a way that. You know, we actually can go back to the business. Who doesn't want the data deleted? It's usually the people in the business who says, I may at some time in the future need that document that I created 15 years ago. Well, not if it has anything related to an individual associated with it. In that case, you can only keep it for as long as there's a demonstrable requirement to have that. So I think it's something that that level, which should be welcomed by organizations, not unless they're, I mean, my, mom, my, my wife's a bit of a hoarder, um, so uh, if she was running a business, she would definitely have many petabytes of information, but, um, but related to in individuals, it would give me the excuse to throw it out when she isn't looking. Right. I, I was going to add that um, the GDPR says, I mean, yes, you can collect the data, you can keep it. But I think there's one somewhere it says that you have to put like a timestamp on it. You have to say, this is the data I have, and okay, if it's five years or ten years, but put some reasonable timestamp on this data, and then um, you know, and then follow through. So sure, collect it, but um, but you know, make sure there's has a shelf life on it. So any final thoughts um, before we wrap up? Silence. I love well, I, it. So I was on mute, so I was talking extremely loudly while no one heard me. Um, 
Yeah, I was going to say my final thought was that um, you know, we kind of started this with Andy saying that a lot of this was common sense IT things. Um, and I, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. The thing to do immediately is to, I, I think, just do an audit of all of your data. Um, that, that's just good practice anyway. If you don't have that at hand, you should start doing that. Uh, whatever the regulations are, whatever the, your situation, it's very, very hard to think of a situation where that wouldn't be to your advantage. Um, so I, I think that's the first thing, uh, most immediate thing any, any company should do. Yeah, it's a very good point. And it's something that also related to GDPR is, is a point within GDPR in terms of the the data breach impact assessments, you know, that that's also understanding what you have, making sure that you have the appropriate controls around it. So that's uh, just understanding going through that audit is directly helps you for GDPR. Right, 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 Rob, you mentioned um, there's a webinar on uh, GDPR. Um, when can um, people tune in? It, do you know? Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my calendar right now. July yeah. 14th, I want to say. Yeah, I'll look at it right now. I, I know we're doing it in multiple different languages, so um, you know, it's a big topic for us right now as we try and help our our customers kind of get ready. And so, uh, let me just look at the calendar real quick, and I will tell you exactly when that will that will be, so you can sign up. And we'll go in in depth on that webinar and talk a little bit more, have a more of a structured uh, presentation around what you need to do and what you need to be aware of, um, whereas today was more of a panel discussion. Rob told me it was a barbecue at his house for the next GDPR. <laughs> <laughs> Let's come on over. We'll talk European regulations. Smoke some brisket. <laughs> I need oh, I some brisket. help for people um, de-hoarding my studio. Like... <laughs> I, first, I need to go home and change all my passwords because I have a password problem. Now, now you all know I'm a hoarder. <laughs> this is just leading up to you having your own lifetime television series, and <laughs> that'll be exciting. <laughs> I watch it. <laughs> It'll be like Tiger Mom 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so we're having a, a webinar on July 21st in English, and we're having another one on uh, July 28th in uh, German. So for anybody that's interested in uh, the GDPR, we also are doing it on the 28th in French. So we'll have multiple languages for you, and you can go to veronis.com and uh, just search for GDPR um, in the upper right-hand corner, and you should be able to find uh, the registration form. Thanks so much, Rob. I was, just thinking, I was just thinking GDPR is probably best experienced in its native German. You know, the translations just don't do it. Just don't do it Whether you speak it or not, yeah, fantastic. Yes. So. Thank you so much, uh, Mike, Mike, Rob, Killian, Dietrich, and Andy. And thank you all our listeners and viewers for joining us today. If you want to follow us on Twitter uh, and see what we're up to, you can find us at Veronis, V-A-R-O-N-I-S. And if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can go to iTunes and search for the Inside Out Security Show. There's a video version of this on YouTube that you can subscribe to um, on the Verona's channel. And thank you, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.